I'm Pastor Gerald Rico, and this message is a part of our online ministry here at River of Life in Menominee, Wisconsin. To find out more about us, please visit our website, riveroflife.co. Again, that is riveroflife.co. But for now, prepare your heart and enjoy this message. Hola, ni hao, namaste, bonjour, hao, konnichiwa. There we go, there's a few more. I don't know if you realize, I love language. Languages are fun. They're, they're just, they're, they're kind of neat to see, especially as you're looking at different ways in which uh, you, you can communicate with different languages. Uh, I'm what you would call a polyglot. Um, and don't worry, you don't have to pray for me. It's not a rare disease. It's, it's, it's someone who, who likes to learn lots of languages. I mean, and so it's, just, it's, it's something uh, that I really really enjoy. And so it's something that I, I try to put in. Like I, I know I, I'm pretty decent conversationally with Spanish, so-so with Mandarin. I can say phrases in a lot of different languages, and I'm still really hoping to learn English. Like I'm really hoping to master that one. That, that's the big one I'm really trying to get under my belt. Um, and, and I even like dead languages like Latin and Greek and Hebrew. Like I like, well, I mean, Hebrew isn't as much of a dead language, but like the biblical stuff, like I really love digging into that and understanding that. Because when you start to realize how different people speak and you start to be able to communicate with people in their heart language, it just, it just opens up something completely different. I also love the fact that our world is full of culture. That you have the ability to you know, see different cultures and different peoples and, and different ethnicities and, and taste different foods and, and recognize different cuisines from around the world. It's just, it's amazing. I, I just think it's really cool. However, I do recognize that it also poses some very distinct problems. That... When you travel, or when people from other countries come over here, if they don't speak our language, there's, there, it's difficult to find ways to communicate. It, it's amazing to me, though, like, if you're really willing to, and if you're really invested in communicating with each other, that you can find ways. Like, there's, there's always a way to get communication across, to, to find ways to connect. But wouldn't it be... So much simpler if we all just had one language. Like, we, we, it wasn't so nuanced. You, we could all just talk one language and get one point across, no matter who you met or where you met them or where you were around the world. Well, the Bible tells us it used to be that way. There used to be the ability for us to have one language. And, and we're going to talk, we've been going through the book of Genesis, and we've been looking at some pretty amazing things. We've been looking at the creation of the world. We, we looked at how sin entered into the story. Last week, we looked at the flood and, and why God had to slow the spread of sin and, and kind of how that applies to us today. Today, we are looking at this idea of the Tower of Babel. And if you grew up in church or you grew up around church, you may have heard this story. It's a story where... God came down and confused the languages. Where at one point we believed there was a time where all language was united. But then God came down to this tower and confused their language because of their rebellion. And then 
all of the work on this tower stopped because they couldn't understand each other. And so, in honor of that, I wanted to call today's message, Say What? Because, can you, can you imagine, one day you're, you're working alongside of somebody, everything's going great, and all of a sudden they just start speaking a different language. And, and like, you're like, what, what did you say? I'm not, I just asked you, like, how many bricks do you need over here? And, and they're going off in some other language. And, they, and it was just so confusing, and they were so frustrated by it, that they walked in different directions. I love how the Bible is applicable not just to the stories that we find in it, but it's applicable today. How often have you been around people for years and all of a sudden you realize you're speaking different languages? Sometimes you develop different languages. And there comes a point where you're like, we're not even talking on the same level any longer. And then shifts start to happen and people drift apart. I believe God has a plan for us to be united. God has a plan for us to be connected. And I'm hoping today that as we look at this, that there should be a common thread, especially among believers, that we would have the ability to work together, to worship together, to find ways of using the beauty of God's message so that together we could see His fullness poured out. So I want, I want to read our story for us today. Again, we are looking through the book of Genesis. Today we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 11, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 4 to start. This is out of the New Living Translation, and I invite you to go ahead and stand with me for the reading of God's Word. In Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, and I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation, and this is how it reads. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, Let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for preserving this book for thousands of years. And though it's ancient, its words are still timely. Holy Spirit, you inspired the authors. And now I ask that you would speak to us. That as we look at your word, you would allow it to come alive. You would transform hearts. You would transform minds. That you would use me in some way to help communicate this truth. Or if necessary, speak outside of me. So that every person who comes in contact with your word today would know that they've met with the living God and that their lives would be different because of it. We love you, we praise you, we honor you. And we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, before you see it, why don't you wave at somebody, tell them hola or, or como estas or sai chen, or no, not sai chen, don't. 
Ni, ni hao, namaste, something. So, we, we see this story, and again, it, it's one of those stories that's just so weird. And, and the one thing that I want to just let you know that, you know, it's okay to recognize that some of the Bible is just weird. There, there's weird parts to it, and this is one of them. And I'm just here to tell you, I don't fully understand all of it, but this story actually really messed me up. I, I was at a, a campus crusade thing where it was actually a bunch of different college groups coming together and talking. They brought in the speaker, and he talked specifically about this passage. And it was from that that, I mean, I was a Christian. I had gone to Bible college. I had at one point studied missions and, you know, then eventually went into pastoral ministry as my studies. And, and you know, all of this time around Bible people, hearing Bible stories. But until that day where we were sitting in this service where this guy was talking about this story, I never fully grasped how much God loved the cultures of the world. How, how he has divined a plan to reach them all. And this story helps us to see that. It also helps us to see how easy it is for us to ignore the people unlike ourselves. To try to say that we're going to choose to do things our own way. We're not going to listen to God's call. We're not going to obey his desire to reach all of the nations. We're going to find a place that's comfortable for us. And we're just going to hang out. And that's exactly what happened. Here are these people who have been given a call and they found a really nice area. And it was fertile. There's probably lots of fruit trees, lots of vegetation, probably sunshine, probably almost never snowed there. Can you imagine that? You know, and, and so they, they kind of settled down there and like, we like it here. We, we, don't, we don't want to be a part of God's plans. And so they started to develop things, but they developed them in a way that was against what God had designed. So I want to look at three things that they did that help us to see why what they did was wrong and maybe how we can do things a little bit differently. Interesting thing is, when we look at this story, one of the first things that we see is that they began to trust in their tech. They were trusting in tech rather than trusting in God. Now, I know that sounds weird because when, when you hear about that, you, know, you probably don't think, well, these guys probably weren't all that technologically advanced. I mean, they, they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have cars. They maybe didn't even have the wheel at this point. We don't even know. But, but they, the reason that they were able to settle there, the reason why they were able to stay in that area, the reason what drew them to there is they developed new technology. It was this amazing thing that had never been developed before. The brick. I mean, can you imagine how life-changing the brick must have been? Because before that time, they were using whatever natural materials they could find. Rocks and stones and wood and, and mud and, and putting things together. But all of a sudden, they realized how to make bricks. 
And then they began to recognize, with this new technology, this could change our lives. We, we, we could create structures that are a little bit more stable. We can create structures that won't require us to work so hard to keep ourselves protected from the environment. And so it was their, their trust in their technology that was the first thing that became their downfall. Rather than trusting in the God who created them, they began to trust in their own ingenuity. And it was almost like it was starting all over again. Rather than trusting God for what was right, they began to trust in themselves. They began to define for themselves what was good and evil because they began to realize how smart they were. I don't know about you, but I've noticed out there that there's a lot of people who have all sorts of degrees. I mean, more degrees than Fahrenheit. And, and all of a sudden, when, when they get that smart, they start trusting in their own knowledge. And they start wondering whether we need to trust God, whether we need to trust this book. And, and so, I want to encourage you, don't trust your tech. Now, you may not be trusting in bricks, unless you're trying to break open windows or something. Please don't do that. I'm not, I'm not advocating that. But, but we get comfortable with where we're at. We get comfortable with our homes. We get comfortable with our cars. We get comfortable with our phones. It becomes very easy for us to be so consumed with how do I get the latest, how do I get the greatest, and not recognize God's call in our lives is about the world around us, not insulating and isolating ourselves, not being so focused on trusting in what we have. Because if there's anything we've seen over the last few days, all of these things we trust in can get taken away in a moment. All of these things can be stripped with a single malevolent person rolling through. So we need to have a foundation that's stronger. We need to have something that's more reliable than even our own bricks and mortars, our cell phones and our McDonald's and, and all of the different things that we put our hope in, we put our trust in. We can't be trusting our technology. I mean, I didn't, this wasn't even planned. My, my iPad went down today. So uh, that's why I'm wearing my glasses because I can't read my notes. <laughs> And so, like, you know, we, we trust in these things. And, and here, here's the thing. Like, I believe in technology. I love technology. I, I get giddy about technology. Like, I, I can remember when I first signed up for this one uh, phone plan that I was getting in, my stepdad sent me all the information. I was giggling as I was looking at all the cool stuff that I could do with this new thing. You know, it was just, I, was, I, was, I get excited about this kind of stuff. But we can't allow our excitement for that to draw us away from what God is trying to do. I'm not telling us we need to go back and be, you know, give away all of our electronics and go, you know, hang out in the woods and, you know, and use porta-potties or dig holes in the ground. I mean, just let's not trust in our tech. Let's use our tech to draw more people to Christ. The other thing that I think is probably the biggest issue here, beyond the fact that they were trusting in the tech is that they were failing to fill. They were failing to fill. If you have been with us 
Over the last few weeks, we've looked at how God created the earth, and he created it with a specific design. And one of the things that he did was he created humanity. And the first command that God gave to Adam was be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He wanted people full of his spirit going out and developing and cultivating and creating the world so that the world would be filled with people bearing the image of God. Then we talked about how sin entered in. And then God had to slow the spread of it. And so there was the flood. But God's first command to Noah after he got out of the boat was be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. What you may not recognize about the story and what I never saw until that day I sat in that class with those other college students was that really this story is about their rebellion against that command. They didn't want to fill the earth. They found someplace comfortable. And they said, we're going to hang out here. In case you missed it, let me reread the passage in verse 4. They said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. They said, if, if we build this tower... We get to hang out right here. We don't have to listen to God. We don't have to fill the earth. We can just hang out right here. The difficulty is we do this over and over and over again. These people in this city built this tower so that they could be comfortable with one another. And so often... We build churches, and we build communities, and we build organizations so that we can be around people that are like us, so that we can hang out with people who think like us, who dress like us, who vote like us, who act like us. And he's saying, I created you to develop all cultures. I created you to go out to all people. I I created you so that the whole world would be filled with people passionate about bringing everybody in. You, you can study human history, especially through the lens of Christianity and, and, and Judaism. Over the last 4,000 years, this pattern keeps repeating itself. There, you can look very clearly. It's almost, it's almost eerie how easily you can divide the last 4,000 years into 10, 400-year chunks where God places a blessing on a people or his blessing on a person. And he says, I'm going to bless you. I want you to bless the nations. And for a while, it goes really well. But then they start to get confident in the blessings. And they start to think they're the most important thing. And they start trusting in what they have, trusting in their technology, trusting in the calling, but not living it out. And then they start just becoming all about themselves. And then God has to come in and shake things up and and completely change the power. You you can see it in the Old Testament from 
the Egyptians, to the Babylonians, to the Assyrians. There just kept being this shakeup. The Romans came in, and there was a shakeup. But then the Roman army and the Roman Empire became the massive force. And then they became just insulated and said, well, it's all about us. If you want God, you come to us. And then all of a sudden, the barbarians came through and destroyed them. And then the Vikings, and then the Moors, and then, I mean, there's, it was just like, it's outrageous how easily we fall into this. And that's why, as a church, we have been dedicated to say we're for all people. All people here and all people around the world. We, we want to fill the earth with people who will praise the name of our God. And I want to be developing you to have a passion for that. I want you guys to be excited to see more people one to the kingdom. Not just that we have a more comfortable building. We have a more amazing sound system. We have a, a, a greater ability to have cool things going on. But that we're actually drawing people into the kingdom. And that we're a part of launching people into the world to take his presence out there. The other thing that I see through this story that kind of talks about how God didn't like what they were doing, and, and one of the things that they were trying to do through building this tower was they were bringing God down. One of the efforts of them building this tower that reached up to heaven was to bring God down. I mean, it almost, it almost feels like a noble idea. We're going to build this tower so that we get closer to the heavens and, and we can go up to where God is and God can come down to where we are. As a matter of fact, in that area, there are lots of towers like the Tower of Babel that still exist today. That they created them for this specific reason. It's called a ziggurat. That there were these ideas that they built these towers that reached up to the heavens. And the very top chamber of the tower was actually a transition spot for God. They had a bed up there for him. They had food up there. They had all of these offerings up there so that when the, their God or our God or whatever God they were trying to bring down, they would... They would be up there, and when they came into that first room, they'd have a place to rest on their way down into earth. They could eat something good so that they'd be happy as they descended this stairway from heaven. And so it's crazy because they created this for that purpose, in part. And the sad part is they actually accomplished it. They brought down God. But it didn't go well for them. It didn't have the intended consequence that they were hoping for. If we keep reading the story, we see that God did come down. In verses 5 through 7, we read this. But the Lord looked down, or came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united. They all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people 
with different languages and they won't be able to understand each other. See, God looked down. He came down. And he saw they were messing it up again. Have you ever cleaned something and all of a sudden, like five minutes later, somebody comes by and just messes up what you just cleaned? That's kind of what happened here. God just had to restart the earth. And already people were in disobedience. They were completely disobeying him, completely going against what God had created them to do. And we see through the pattern here that God had reset the world in such a way where we'd never have these extended periods of time where people would live these long lives of evil and destruction. But already they were figuring out ways to completely disobey God. And so God had to come down. He had to do something to keep all of humanity going back towards this open rebellion. And so he came down and he said, we're going to confuse him. One of the things that really stands out to me is it said these people are united. They all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible. Now, this was a bad thing because they were setting out to be rebellious. But let's stop for a moment and consider what it would mean if the people of God were acting this way. If we became united, if we were speaking the same language, obviously not a literal language, but we were more focused on saying, how do I lift up Jesus rather than how do I lift up my church? Or how do I lift up Jesus rather than how do I build my own kingdom? How, 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 what would it look like if we were a people who said, this is what we are focused on? We, we, are, we are dedicated to see Jesus moving forward. We are dedicated to see his kingdom built, his will be done. I, I, I kind of believe that that same thing would be true for us. Nothing would be impossible. Well, what if we as a church just made that dedication? That we are going to be under the banner of Jesus. That we are going to be about obeying God. That we're going to be looking for ways to fill the earth, to fill Dunn County, to fill Wisconsin, to fill the nations with God and his presence. With people who are passionate about seeing people drawn into him. I think God would bless that. I think God would open the floodgates of heaven and allow goodness and mercy and resources and all sorts of things to pour out on a people like that. Let's continue to be dedicated to that. And we know the issue at hand here was their disobedience because of the way God dealt with their sin. In verses 8 and 9, we read this. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. So we see here, that him scattering them, that was him getting them to obey him. 
They were, they were an open rebellion. They didn't want to fill the earth. And he's like, okay, I'm going to come down. I'm going to confuse their language. And that's how they scattered. That's how they ended up going and filling the earth. But the problem was, the intention was the earth would be filled with people who were praising him. The earth would be filled with people bearing his image, worshiping him. And now we've got scattered people, disjointed cultures, people that would come to find themselves at odds with each other because they couldn't speak a common language. And so we end part one of Genesis. I, I don't know if you realize that, but Genesis is actually broken into two parts. And the first part really is talking about the condition of the world. What we're going to get into next week is God's solution. I'll give you a little hint. It's Jesus. But, but we're, we're, going to, we're going to see how what happens next feeds into God's plan. We're, we're going to see how the dysfunction of Abraham and his family feed into us when we see the dysfunction in our own families and recognize God can use us to fill the earth. God can use us to bring about blessings. And so I, I want to encourage you. I, I want you to recognize that we, we come to the end of part one of Genesis where we see that the world is broken that there was a plan that God had for a perfect world filled with people who are bearing His image, praising His name. But we chose to define for ourselves what good and evil was. We, we chose to be in open rebellion against Him. And because of that, God had to put limits on our lifespans. He had to put limits on our ability to come together. But His desire is to break those limits off of us when we focus on Him, when we choose to allow His truth and His Word to be our defining truth. And so my encouragement for you as we go into the next few weeks, and really as we go into the rest of our lives, is that we would fill the earth with praise. God designed you to be an image bearer filling the earth with praise. I'm just calling you to live it out. I'm asking you to take seriously what God has put on all of us, that we would go out and fill the earth with praise, that we would go out and develop the people around us, that we would go out and develop systems that bring peace and equity to people's lives, that we would go out and find ways of allowing the love of Jesus Christ to to break down dividing walls and to allow the truth of who He is to change the world around us. And I think if we make Him first and we make ourselves dedicated to filling the earth with praise, nothing is going to be impossible for us. I hope there's at least one or two of you in this room that are crazy enough to believe that with me. That, it, that if we will say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to speak Him. I'm going to allow the truth of who He is to change who I am. Nothing is impossible. Nothing. So, 
I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to, we're going to sing one more worship song because we want to fill the earth with praise, right? So let's take some time right now, and let's, let's praise our God. But I also recognize there might be some of you in this room, there might be some of you who are joining us online, and you haven't learned to speak the language of the gospel yet. You haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior. I want to give you that opportunity today. I want to help you to make that transition because I believe that when we start doing this together, there's nothing impossible. We will begin to see God's goodness pour out in all sorts of areas of our lives. Let's be people dedicated to that. So if that's you, if you're, if you're here with us today or you're watching us online and you'd say, I need Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray a simple prayer. As a matter of fact, I invite all of us to begin praying. Whether you're praying this prayer for yourself or you're believing that someone is going to pray this prayer for them, that, that we would stop for a moment and we would just lift up to God the people who need to know him. And if that's you, that you would pray this simple prayer. If you recognize right now that you need Jesus and you want to invite him in, I encourage you to pray this. You don't have to pray my words. You can use your own. You don't have to say this out loud. You can, you can say this in the quietness of your heart. But I would really encourage you to pray something like this. Say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. Today, I want to say I'm sorry for my sins, for my mistakes. My old life, I hurt people and I disobeyed you. But today, I choose to turn from that life. And I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Help me to follow Jesus. God, I thank you for the new life you are creating in me. From this day forward, you have all of me. As I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please let someone know. The Bible tells us if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord and we believe that in our hearts, we will be saved. And so confess it to somebody. If you're online, let us know. If you're, if you're here in person, we're going to have some people coming up front who are going to be offering up prayer for anything. Come find one of them and let them know. And then for the rest of us, if you just need prayer, come find one of our prayer team members. Maybe there's something going on you need God to step into. This is part of the united people of God lifting up each other, speaking the same language, believing that God is going to do great things. And so we, again, we're just going to sing one more song. So why don't we all stand? I'm going to pray and I'm going to bless us. And I'm going to believe that together we will speak one language. I'm going to believe together we will speak Jesus. And that as we do, we will see 
the impossible things become possible. So let me bless us and let's, let's sing one more song. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you do. As we prepare to go and fill the earth, I pray that you would bless us and you would protect us. I pray that you would be gracious toward us and smile upon us. And I pray that every day we would walk in your favor and in your peace as we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.